Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick as always. Today we're going to talk Dolphins Chiefs, Steelers Bills, the other two AFC matchups that we didn't get to yesterday where we didn't know the remaining fixtures. And then we'll talk the futures market, uh, the AFC and NFC champion markets. But Drew, first, before we get into Dolphins Chiefs, uh, what did you make of uh, Bills Dolphins? What were your takeaways? Ah. Uh... I mean, the Bills were pretty lucky. Uh, they needed a punt return and uh, the Dolphins forgetting how to play offense in the second half to really get that thing home. Uh, it felt like that was in the balance for way longer than ought to have been considering Buffalo outplayed them, I thought, for the balance of the game. Um, very confusing effort by you know Miami when it was all said and done and what their concepts were really that they were trying to get involved offensively in the second half didn't make a ton of sense to me because they were having so much success on the ground and they basically went away from it um the fact that Tua couldn't get uh, his team across the line more fuel to the fire that you know he's he's got some issues with high leverage games um that's not good for the long-term <laughs> viability of the Dolphins as a contender in the AFC uh and obviously they are the biggest losers in terms of um you know championship equity moving from the two seed to the six seed um this is a nasty draw for them now going to kansas city and playing in uh you know the frigid weather weather which i'm sure we're going to cover a little bit more in detail here uh shortly but um yeah i mean there are a lot of people lauding buffalo for just in general turning their season around when i think all of us knew it was very entirely possible considering they are an elite team um and it is funny that people kind of cite the record uh, after they fired the offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey as some sort of um, evidence that now their offense is better and it's like okay <laughs> it was not <laughs> I don't know what games you were watching uh, but the Bills offense you know is, is maybe it's a little bit more balanced uh, which can help you be a little tougher to defend a little bit less predictable um, but uh, you know it's, it's there, there at least there were flashes of um, uh, positive signs uh, signs of life uh, from Stefan Diggs uh, in that game that I think are going to be pretty important if the Bills have any kind of a ceiling offensively in the playoffs. Uh, Josh Allen still does some weird, wild stuff out there, man. Um, he, yeah. he, he is an unpredictable quantity, uh, and uh, he's going to be fun to watch in these playoffs. And, um, you know, Bills going from what was, you know, potentially not – you know, starting the day on Sunday, it was not obvious that they were going to uh, be in the playoffs at all to uh, now a two seed and, you know, to potentially 
uh, a soft uh, opening round against Pittsburgh where they're 10-point favorites, followed by uh, you know a second home game. Uh, that's quite a swing. Uh, so anyone with Bill's futures, congratulations. You are uh, in, a, in a much better place 24 hours later. Um, but uh, I still think uh, Buffalo has a lot to prove offensively that they are, uh, you know, they're going to be able to hang with anyone who can, you know, put up 30 points. We'll see. Yeah. Well, as someone who does have a lot of Bills futures and back them at prices that were basically poisoned for four months and yeah. took an odyssey <laughs> of a trip to get back to now, I would say, neutral value on what I backed. Uh, last night, just kind of, it was a great summation of how. There are teams better than the Bills. There are teams worse than the Bills. But there is no team more infuriating than the Buffalo Bills. If you are betting on them, if you need them to win, because they last night they were, they were marching down the field every time. Uh, they get into the red zone four times and score once. It's not even converting into touchdowns. They've scored once out of four trips into the red zone. And then I felt it was fitting that for them, for a season that, you know, in the early part was defined by, just horrible, horrible luck, frankly. The fact that, you know, the 12th man on the field against the Broncos, mm-hmm. uh, they have, they cannot convert any third down against the Jags in London. They probably should have mm-hmm. won that game. Uh, they have the 59-yard Jake Elliott field goal. Like, there's all these moments that went against them. And then in this five-game winning streak to save their season and kind of firm them as the third Super Bowl favorite, they get the ridiculous Kadarius Tony offsides. They eke out this two-point win over Eastern Stick. Uh, they have this game against the Dolphins, which they basically won because Deontay Hardy fielded a ball at the five, which uh, in real time, I was like, why are you catching this? Just let it bounce into the end zone. <laughs> I think there is something to be said in that situation for when you're down a touchdown in the fourth quarter for fielding the punt there because it's just a high variance play and you you probably just want variance at that point at the same time probably would have been better to leave and go into the end zone but they get that break uh and then they win uh and now yeah now they're the third favorite for the super bowl but the team they beat the dolphins uh who never really fired a shot in the second half it felt like uh where they they got away from running the ball which they're having great success with uh and a lot of that was just because of um, they just weren't running that many plays uh, and they kept on having not a great success on first down. And so they now take on more injuries. Van Ginkle goes down yeah. to go with Chubb and Jalen Phillips. And how many pass rushes left. Uh, their offense is banged up. Tyreek still doesn't look 100%. Jalen Waddle was out. And now they go to Arrowhead where they're three and a half point dogs. The total is 44. This is... Couldn't be happy the way these matchups have worked out from, I mean, not even just from a betting perspective, but from a, I guess, just a football fan perspective. Like this is just, I think it's shaken out really well. Uh, and we get a rematch of the Frankfurt game where, frankly, I thought the Dolphins outplayed the Chiefs for large quantities of that game. So do you think this line's too big at Chiefs three and a half? Uh I would have made it exactly three and a half, so I'm pretty satisfied with this market as it currently stands. Um, your points about the Frankfurt game, I think, are very true. Uh, at the time, the Dolphins were uh, in a stronger position, just health health wise, uh, which made them a more formidable opponent. And uh, were it not for the defensive play of the season, 
which was the uh, strip of Tyree Kill that was run back for the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs lose that game. Um, now, the Chiefs did have a chance to kind of put an expo- exclamation point on that game late, uh, and there was uh, uh, just like a little bit of an overthrow uh, and or miscommunication between um, uh, Mahomes and the wide receivers, which you know stopped me if you heard that before this year. But, um, you know, it's just, it was a little bit of a clunky second-half offense for the Chiefs in that game, but that was when the Miami defense was kind of at full strength and really starting to peak. Um, and uh, I think you're looking at a very different handicap of both of these teams today relative to uh, that uh, game in November. And I think it starts really with uh, the Miami defense and what do they have left. Um, the Van Ginkle injury matters. I can't believe we're saying this, but uh, your pass rush now depends on Melvin uh, Ingram being yeah. an effective pass rusher. And he was signed in middle of December. Um, so that's not great. Uh, you're up against a, a very, very effective pass protection unit for Kansas City, particularly the interior pass pro. Um, those guys are outstanding. Uh, a bunch of all pros in that interior there. So Mahomes should have time to operate. And if uh, he has any kind of chemistry cooking and with uh, tra- Travis Kelsey and this wide receiving crew, then Miami's in deep trouble. Um, I don't know about how likely it is that Xavier Howard is full strength if he does go. Um, he obviously matters a ton for the secondary for Miami and the Miami offense right now feels like, uh, there's a little bit of a vote of no confidence in Tua, which is not how you want to be heading into his first playoff start where the stakes go up. And, uh, you know, to, if you believe in the performance you've seen from him in high leverage games, well, it's about to get even more high leverage. So, uh, that cannot necessarily spell great things for what to expect there. Um, Tyree kill heading back into Kansas city is obviously a huge, uh, you know, huge national story. That's, you know, a big uh, kind of, you know, headline for this particular game. But the, the matchup for the Kansas City's secondary is good. Legereus Sneed, uh, combined with some of the uh, quality you're getting out of this, you know, the safety group there, you should be able to limit his ability to hit home runs on this game. Uh, and Jalen Waddle, I would expect, does come back. I would expect Mostert and Achan play through whatever injuries they are dealing with. Uh, and I think uh, the X factor is probably the fact that this is going to be a very, very, very cold game. Uh, we're expecting game, game time temperatures in and around zero degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, so that is uh, uh, well below freezing with uh, wind chill, real feels in the minus 20 range in the second half, which is going to be pretty miserable, uh, particularly if you're, you know, a team that likes to, you know, show up in teal and comfortably lives at 80 degree temperatures for most of the season so um it's a uh it's not a great uh not a great spot in any way shape or form for miami so i'm fine with three and a half being the uh uh you know the market consensus right now and i think there is scope for this to come back to three if there is positive news for the miami injury side uh if they're if you're getting positive news on howard positive news on waddle anything at all positive about the offense uh, for Miami, then I think you could see this uh, creep down to three because there's a lot of questions the Kansas City offense still has to answer. Uh, so it's it's uh, that's the only kind of sense I get the market may come in the direction of the dog, but uh, I'm not going to have anything to do with that because I, I basically am uh, you know kind of keyed on Kansas City making a little bit of run here in the playoffs, and uh, I think this was a pretty favorable draw for them. Okay, when's the last time Kansas City played a game that was impressive? Uh, because I have to go back to, I mean, if you want to say beating the Raiders by 14 in week 12 in Las Vegas, when I think the Chiefs were down 14, nothing in that game from memory. And then they stormed back, uh, maybe the Chargers in week we, seven. Yeah. The Chargers and the Bears were the two that came to mind. Okay. Bears was week three. 
Chargers was week seven. Uh, this team, I just think that the offense is so stuck in the mud. Uh, and I think that there are still some people who just think that it's magically going to get better now that we're in the playoffs. It's like this team was 10 and six before they rested everyone. Um, they, the offense just isn't, it just isn't there this year. And I think the defense, which, you know, going to that blockbuster Monday night game against the Eagles, people talk about the Chiefs, you know, this is the best defense in football. It's a top two unit. Like they haven't really been that good in the second half of the season. They've been the 15th ranked defense by EPA per play since week 10. Uh, their rushing defense has kind of struggled all year. And I think when you think of the Dolphins offense, you visualize uh, you visualize what they did to the Ravens back in what week one last year, where they just boat raced them with speed through the air uh, with Waddle and Tyreek Hill. But I mean, what in a way makes this offense special outside of Tyreek is just their speed and their ability to run the ball uh, and McDaniel's run scheme. And you saw that against the Bills on Sunday night, where their greatest success was on the ground with A-Chan doing A-Chan things. And I think that will match up pretty well against Kansas City, particularly if the conditions aren't great. So that would be my one reservation. The concern is that the Miami defense just isn't... I mean, they gave up 56 points to Baltimore in a game they yeah. needed to win for the one seed. Uh, and they were healthier then than they are now. And then yeah. they... I mean, they only give up 14 points uh, on defense to Buffalo, but Buffalo move the ball at will all throughout that game. So that would be the concern is, you know, if you don't have a pass rush, how much confidence do you have in them being able to stop Mahomes? But at the same time, Mahomes has been kind of stoppable this year. So I would lean Miami at three and a half and feel amazing about it given the health situation, but just with the run game, with how Kansas City's offense has struggled all season, uh, yeah. that's the way I would lean. Uh, by the way, big winner, Bills might have been the biggest winner out of yesterday. The other big winner was um, NBC, um, who get <laughs> who get Dolphins Chiefs uh, Peacock exclusive game uh, instead of Mason Rudolph going into Arrowhead. So um, yeah, win there for NBC. Yeah. And if you're complaining because you don't have Peacock, there's an easy solution. Get it? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good content on there. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, two real quick re rebuttals on the uh, Chiefs defense because it's fair. Sure. Your points are fair. Uh, I will note that in that stretch, uh, there was a lot of games without Nick Bolton, who's been there. He's been sort of the anchor and their best linebacker so far this season, and he's now back full full strength. And I'm really like the Chiefs defense overall, remarkably healthy. Really, really healthy. And I, I would say that some of the reason that their uh, EPA per play does not look super impressive uh, over the last half of the season doesn't have to do with their strength of opponent. They've played some easy teams. Uh, it just has to do with, I think, at least how much EPA is weighted towards takeaways for defenses. And they just sure. haven't been taking the ball away for whatever reason. Um, I'm not sure that uh, you can count on them coming away with takeaways because certainly like they're not getting any of the chaos plays out of their edges right now. Like Chris Jones is sort of the only guy capable of of, uh, inducing chaos on this defense but that said he's in the inside and if you can get you know if you can get to Tua quickly uh, and force him to either just stick with his first read uh, and or kind of get him into panic mode uh, that's exactly how you want to be able to create turnovers against them so um, I think you're you know, you, your your points are, are real, you know, are, are fair like <clears throat> of all the defenses currently in the AFC playoff picture the Chiefs are fourth 
Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, that that's that's not where we would have thought uh, the way that they were playing halfway through the season. So uh, health may be the only thing that really kind of has the Chiefs D uh, kind of be, you know, a reason to be excited about them. And, um, you know, there's plenty of whiffs about this particular Chiefs offense and what Matt Nagy has failed to bring to the table uh, in terms of innovation uh, and just in general, the lack of, you know, any type of chemistry between Mahomes and his receiving core. Uh, the step backwards Travis Kelsey has taken this year is pretty obvious as well. Um, but at the same time, this is now playoff football. Mahomes is going to scramble more. Uh, he is absolutely um, diabolically efficient on the ground uh, when he needs to be. Uh, and I think the Chiefs uh, still have enough, in my opinion, to, to take out a, a pretty beleaguered uh, uh, Dolphins team. So not going to be laying the three and a half, but uh, I think if it gets to three, I'm going to have some serious uh, soul searching to do. Okay. Yeah, it is interesting where I haven't seen any research on this, but my sense is, and it became particularly clear, or at least it was a good example of it in the Sunday night game, is that one of the big like we talk in the NBA playoffs, a big thing that changes from the regular season is just the best players play more minutes is that Jokic yeah. goes up from whatever, wherever he plays 34, 35 minutes going up to 42, 43 minutes. I think a big thing in the NFL playoffs is that you take Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes where with their scrambling, the self-preservation element, I think becomes a lot less because the games have, the stakes are so high. And you saw that, I think this is something to um, Buffalo's credit where, my sense is that over time they've realized that every single third down or pivotal third down like you need josh allen's legs to be in play mm -hmm. uh and that is the most valuable kind of weapon of their offense in short yardage and i think it's similar with the chiefs like think back to all the mahomes plays over the years the scramble against thing they had an epic scramble against the titans he had that huge scramble that got them to the super bowl against the bengals on mm -hmm. one leg in the afc title game and i think mm -hmm. that my sense is, at least, is that that comes more into play when uh, you're a bit less worried about taking a hit because you can get a playoff win on the other side. All right, uh, before we get to Steelers, Bills, NBC, and Peacock is kicking off Super Wild Card Weekend with a bang. Our doubleheader on Saturday begins at 3 p.m. Eastern as we lead you up to rounds at Texans, then tune into a Peacock-exclusive matchup between the Dolphins and Chiefs at Arrowhead at 8. And then we'll wrap up the weekend, bringing you an NFC battle between the Rams and Lions with coverage beginning at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full-body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. All right. Steelers, Bills. This one opened the Bills minus eight and a half, which I was shocked by. Uh, and I would have bet, but now I just have a, 
a kind of uh, physical revulsion uh, to betting the Buffalo Bills <laughs> or betting more on them, uh, given I already have a position on them to, to go the distance. So I stayed away. Uh, it is now up to minus 10. The total is 35 and a half. Uh, my Google settings are in uh, Australian, so it says that on Saturday there is going to be uh, 45 mile per hour winds uh, in Buffalo, um, which I believe translates to like 27 mile. Oh, sorry, 45 kilometer hour winds, which I believe is like 27 mile per hour winds. So that's a that is a pretty big uh, factor in this game. Uh, I think a uh, big factor as well is that TJ Watt is not going to be. Uh, playing almost certainly. Um, sorry, I said Saturday. The game's on Sunday, but no TJ Watt. Uh, yes, Mason Rudolph. Uh, do you think that ten is big enough for this game? Uh, boy, I looked hard at landing the points, but the weather does have me a little spooked. Um, the for what it's worth, uh, this total has gotten absolutely pummeled down. Yes. Uh, open around forty-one, bet down to thirty-five and a half. Um, it is early 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 in the week to be that certain that the weather is going to be that impactful i will say that um <clears throat> decent chance that there you know the, the lake effect snow may come through on saturday and then sunday morning there's just some lingering wind and wind gusts um but uh you know the way that both of these teams are likely to be planning their offensive game plans in this week of preparation is going to be probably pretty run heavy approaches um, the bills we have known since, uh, you know, Joe Brady has taken over have leaned more into uh, a rushing attack at times. Some of those were correct decisions because they were up against teams that you could really get, get it going on the ground against. Um, and, you know, I think they, they deserve some credit for developing a, a threat on the ground that uh, complements what Josh Allen brings in terms of dynamic passing. But um, I would expect that uh, both of these teams would like to find out in the first half of this game if the running attack will work. And if it does, I would think that that is the uh, preferred approach for, uh, you know, kind of reducing turnovers and uh, just in general um, putting pressure on your opponent. Now, Buffalo's run defense, it got gashed at times last night. And there have been times since the uh, injury to Matt Milano where they have looked quite bad uh, in terms of rush defense. Uh, I would say, though, that, um, you know, the replacement level players have gotten better and better and better uh, and a ton of credit to the defensive coaching staff for coaching those guys up. Uh, and I think at this point, I would expect them to, to be relatively effective at stopping Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doesn't get a ton going um, in terms of um, elite blocking in the running game. Most of their success on the ground comes off tackle. And uh, it's just yeah. kind of hope and a prayer that Najee gets past the line of scrimmage and they can, you know, has or Jalen Warren gets past the line of scrimmage uh, outside of the tackle and can, uh, you know, kind of make some moves and, and hit hit uh, a home run at the second level. Uh, so it's a little bit boomer bust. Um, and I think that spells trouble uh, because, uh, you know, if you have <clears throat> wasted downs running the ball and you're asking Mason Rudolph to complete uh, long third down passes, then this could get pretty ugly. Uh, so I would say that uh, if you told me how does Buffalo most likely win this game, it's probably with a shortened game plan on offense, reducing turnovers, uh, and really just forcing Pittsburgh to get it done in, in difficult third down situations, uh, which spells Buffalo trying to win this game something like twenty four three or something along those you know the, those you know in that ballpark. Um, so. 
Uh, I, I'm kind of at the point where the most likely game state here is still under even with this low total of 35 and a half if the weather um, predictions hold true. Uh, and I think the, uh, you know, the chance for Buffalo to come out and be sort of the um, like the world killing unit uh, that you saw against the Patriots two years ago is, is, is not this team right now. That's not this offense right now. Uh, and I think uh, Pittsburgh's defense, even without TJ Watt, is still sound enough principally uh, that they're going to be able to, uh, you know, make it somewhat tough on Buffalo. Um, I don't have a real strong read about how to properly rate Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph, other than to say that there is in the back of my head a concern about going against them because he can do more uh, in terms of home run. And I don't really have a sense that that's sustainable and not just sort of they were in some favorable situations against some weak opponents who can't really defend that well. And that's why they were able to succeed that way. Um, so it's, it's not a gamble I'm willing to make getting involved with Pittsburgh here and Mason Rudolph, even though he has definitely shown a more live arm than we saw from Kenny Pickett and Mr. Trubisky, certainly Mr. Trubisky by a margin. So, um, you know, there's, it, 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 there is a chance that Pittsburgh's offense is incorrectly rated by market because it's just different with Mason Rudolph. Uh, I'm just not willing to get in front of, uh, you know, what, what is a pretty miserable situation and a very good defense right now for Buffalo. Yeah, I think that Mason Rudolph's reckoning uh, might be coming. And this Buffalo defense, which was a catastrophe uh, in the kind of after they lost all those guys, after Daquan Jones and Milano and Trey White and everyone went down and the Joe Burrow game was just so hopeless where it just felt like Buffalo yeah. could do absolutely nothing. And now in the second half of the season, they're fifth by EPA per play uh, as a defense. And they've played yeah. some good offenses in that stretch. They've had to play Miami and Dallas uh, and Kansas City, um, Philadelphia. Now, I think that fifth is probably uh, an exaggeration. They're 11th in success rate, which is probably a better indicator uh, in terms of rushing success rate um, against them. They're 10th in the second half of the season. So as much as they have struggled at times, and there have been some glaring examples, I think that they should have enough at home against Mason Rudolph. I also think in terms of the conditions we saw from Remember that game, that comical game against the Patriots a couple of years ago mm -hmm. in Buffalo with the wind where sure. Josh Allen, if there is one quarterback in the NFL who is immune uh, to 30 mile per hour wins, it is Josh Allen uh, and it's not Mason Rudolph. So I lean, uh, I lean Buffalo here, particularly given that it seems like there is no chance whatsoever that TJ Watt is going to be able to play um, or at best play effectively. Uh, I mean, he, he did his MCL. He's not going to come back and be a star a week after that, even if by some miracle he does play in the first place. All right, before we get to the futures markets, reigning national player of the year, Caitlin Clark, continues her incredible senior season Wednesday on Peacock. Clark and I were head to Purdue, where the Boilermakers are undefeated at home, watch two of the hottest teams in the Big Ten, face-off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. 
This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. All right. AFC, NFC championship markets and Super Bowl market. I want to start off just by talking about how some people ask me about this. A little bit about, and I hear just a lot of content around this and discussion around this in terms of like, if you have a really strong position uh, in this market, an existing position, um, like how do you maximize the most of it and hedging and betting other runners or betting money lines of other teams. And my answer for the most part is that you should just treat every single bet that you make in isolation and not have your future bets dictated by your past bets because if you are betting without an edge then all you're doing is forfeiting uh, your equity in that market and i think that so many people are obsessed with just getting something out of a strong position uh and chalking up a w in a given market and making sure that you profit from every single market but you're not judged in terms of the amount of money you make by how much profit you make in every single market. You're judged by how much profit you make overall across every single market that you bet. Uh, and all you can do to maximize your chances of that is make bets that are positive value. Uh, and so so I have a 16 to 1 Ravens ticket for the AFC uh, that I bought. I got that out when I was in Vegas like 12 months ago. And I thought my one-year-old daughter had eaten the ticket, but I found it. Uh, which is great news. Uh, and I have a lot of bills equity that is effectively neutral value, maybe slightly positive. And so what I'm doing in the AFC is absolutely nothing because yeah. uh, I don't think anyone is, is a bet in the AFC right now um, outside of those, those two teams. The other five runners I have no interest in at current price. And so a lot of these futures markets, it's about like choosing who you're willing to die with. Uh, and in the MVP market all year, um, I had good positions on Purdy, Dak, and Lamar, and I was willing to die with going against Tour and Jalen Hurts. Uh, and in the defensive rookie of the year market all year, I was willing to die with Jalen Carter, and I may die win that market. Jalen Carter still may win that, but you can only place bets on what is value at the given time. So in saying that, do you think that anyone in the AFC and the NFC is value at the moment? I agree with the... Most of your soliloquy uh, that was well stated. Um, I have a specific ethos about futures. When you get to this point in the um, you know in the cycle, uh, this you know pertains less to the NFL just because there's fewer runners and this is very efficient right now. Like, yeah. you recognize that. Like, there's not a huge misprice right now. Um, uh, but in general, if you take a position at this point. Uh, you need in the futures market, you need to uh, be specifically shooting for an angle where the other teams ahead of you in terms of price could potentially go out not at the hands of the team you like. Does that make sense? Yes. So think about there being an imbalance in path, right? Is there an imbalance for any of these teams in the AFC where, man, uh, this is going to be a tough test for fill in the blank if that happens then that opens the door for this team to to really kind of capture all of that equity while they do nothing while they sit on the couch right like that's kind of where you want to try to be positioning yourself betting into these 
uh, futures prices right now. And then the opposite of that is true, where you said, you've said, man, I don't know. Have you been watching the Browns lately, man? Flacco's like, he's, he's got, he's got some cooking. Like, like he looks live. Like he's won a Super Bowl. Like I've seen Flacco go nuclear for a month. I know what that's like. I lived through that. Like, you know, okay, fine. Like, I look at that Browns price and I laugh out loud at trying to take an AFC price on the Browns because number one, they got to go on the road and take care of business against Houston. And that almost certainly sends them right to Baltimore. And then once they beat Baltimore, then that sends them to either Buffalo or Kansas city. Right. And if you think of what is the market going to look like of uh, the Browns going at Baltimore who are coming off of a buy with extra rest. And then the Browns going at KC or at Buffalo, almost certainly just money lining those two wins. Like the Browns are going to have to do it themselves. Right. And if you have a team or a player in any kind of a futures pool, that's going to have to do it themselves, then you're almost better off just betting game by game than you are taking any of these prices. Um, When it comes to just in general, preserving equity, if you made a bet in the preseason, if you made a bet in the regular season, I made a bet on the bills in the regular season before they played the dolphins in week Four, I guess. And the reason I did, I was like, man, if they get this win, they're in the driver's seat for a one seed. You get the one seed in the AFC, then bang, you've captured a massive amount of equity. Like that didn't happen. Right. But if you made a bet on the Ravens thinking, hey, there's not an, there's an outside chance this team is good enough to get a one seed in the AFC. Well, now you got it. Like you've captured all that equity based on that, uh, you know, that specific uh, angle that you were, you know, kind of trying to capitalize on the in the regular season in the preseason and you know now you have to make a sincere decision about what to do with that and i agree with what you're saying which is that uh you know if you see an opportunity to make another bet that you think is plus ev that also preserves some of the equity then by all means that gives you more flexibility in terms of bankroll management in terms of staking all that sort of stuff um and so i would kind of you know I, i i i agree keep them independent and look at them as you know specifically independent bets and you're trying to make only make plus EV bets, but um, you know, in terms of staking and, and bankroll management, if you have a, a particularly high payout on a future because of a bet you made in you know January of last year, then uh, you know that gives you just more flexibility, more equity, more you know you have you know more to play with. I think, and um, as I look at this particular playoff field, I think we're headed for a pretty straightforward Browns to Baltimore, Bills Chiefs in the divisional round, uh, and I think. Uh, Ravens are definitely a candidate for an upset. Either Houston or uh, Cleveland going into Baltimore on Saturday night is going to be uh, a nervous time for anyone who has uh, you know significant equity in the Baltimore Ravens because there are definitely things about the Ravens getting to that point that I think uh, have to be proven in a playoff setting. Uh, Lamar Jackson only having three uh, playoff games under his belt uh, and in general not having an especially sterling record in those three games, that's that's a concern. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, you're, you're definitely, um, looking at a flat AFC at the top, in my opinion, uh, between Baltimore, Casey and Buffalo. Uh, you're looking at a flat overall NFL where there's just no team that's really deserves kind of consideration as this super incredible team. Um, and I think ultimately the, uh, uh, you know, there's there's some signal that there are ways to attack basically everyone, everyone has flaws. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know that this is going to be a chaotic, like take the dog every playoff game type of playoffs overall. Um, but I definitely think the divisional round playing a little bit of defense by getting the points uh, on a team like the Browns and shooting for a middle, uh, hoping that the Ravens can, you know, get a narrow win like that. That would make sense to me uh, to protect a Baltimore position. Uh, and if you don't already have a horse between the Bills and the Chiefs, then 
I think you basically just play that game. I don't think you get involved in the futures market. Does that make sense? Yep. No, I think that makes sense. And I will say that I think there is something to be said for, you know, quote unquote hedging if it's neutral value and you're winning better and you want to reduce variance and you're betting at sure. neutral value, I think that is fine. And I understand as well, like it's a human reaction that you want to get something out of a market. Uh, and if it is a neutral value and it helps your mental health to know that you're banking a win, then they can't really say anything uh, against that. But to your earlier point about like multiplying money lines, I think that's the key thing with this market, particularly when you get to this part of the season is that these are relatively easy markets to price now because you're just yep. multiplying out money lines within the path that each team can take in the playoff field. And it's a lot easier than say, you know, if you're at the start of the season, you're betting on say the Texans to win the Super Bowl because you think that there's a chance that, oh, they have this rookie quarterback, CJ Stroud, and this team's rating is way more volatile um, than the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, so we know exactly what he is. So their rating could fluctuate to the point where uh, this increase exponentially becomes value. Like these teams' ratings aren't going to change substantially during the playoff run. Like we kind of know what these teams are, and obviously there can be injuries, and maybe like Flacco is a bit more variable, um, mm -hmm. certainly, than say Matthew Stafford. But for the most part, we know what these teams are and it really is yeah. an in multiplying money lines yeah and I, honestly if you bet if you're betting into the pool taking the ravens is truly poison right now like there's there's nothing gained in betting the ravens at this price if you're betting if you've made the decision that i think the ravens are vulnerable and you want the bills or the chiefs you're basically saying you, you're hoping that the fat that the path and the the overall picture changes dramatically with the ravens upset right because equity and the Chiefs is basically saying, okay, I have one of two things happens. I hope somebody beats the Ravens and then, whoa, maybe, maybe the Chiefs are hosting the AFC championship game again, right? Like that, that definitely is kind of the, what your, you know, your outside shot you're looking for. And at that point, better off just playing the Browns money line. <laughs> it's tough to say. Uh, and I guess, do you have an opinion on uh, if you, uh, you know, the ratings potentially changing? Right. Let's say that the Ravens do just take care of business. They come off the bye. They look great. They bury Flacco in Baltimore. Um, but the Chiefs uh, upset Buffalo in Buffalo. Right. And now Mahomes looks more like Mahomes we remember from last year. The defense has a couple takeaways, and we're like, oh, yeah, wow, those guys, this is the best defense the Chiefs have ever had. Like, do you see scope for the Chiefs rating uh, increasing relative to what we are seeing right now, just based on people kind of, coming around to the tune of it's still Mahomes in the playoffs. He's the most, Mahomes is the most experienced quarterback in the playoffs right now, by the way, by a lot. Like yeah. there is a margin in terms well, of experience. Joe Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's, uh, it's still though, like number of games, uh, yeah, number of AFC championships. Like it, it's, he's, he's, uh, he's been here the most. Uh, and I definitely uh, kind of wonder if that, uh, will ultimately matter and what is a relatively flat year. I do think that is a fair point. And on Mahomes, there is, I, I think it's an incredible phenomenon where when he is like less than a field goal favorite or a dog, that he just wins and covers at an incredible rate. And normally, like, I hate those kind of stats about uh, Mike Tomlin off the bye with six days rest going <laughs> off into it. It's like, oh, he's seven and three. Against sure. Like, it's completely meaningless because all those incidents are isolated. But with Mahomes, I think there is something potentially to the idea that uh, one, 
they run the real plays more, uh, they pass more, they ramp that up, and they're just that he has another gear. And I think a lot, some of that as well is the scrambling element that we talked about um, earlier today, where I do think there is, uh, and it's weird to say that because Patrick Mahomes is a pretty known commodity uh, at this point, but I think there is a chance that he has another gear to ramp up uh, in the playoffs and they do go perhaps more pass heavy. Uh, I also heard the Ravens, the one thing about them um, and that plays into why they are, um, you know, the most likely team clearly to make the Super Bowl in the AFC outside of having the bye, which is the biggest thing. But I think everyone agrees that the three best teams in the AFC are Baltimore, Buffalo, and Kansas City. And mm-hmm. Baltimore are guaranteed to not play either of the other yeah. two until the AFC title game, which will be at home. That's uh, very true. That is, a, that is a massive factor that they don't have to play, that those two teams uh, will likely have to play each other um, in round two. So that is one thing in Baltimore's favor. Um, I will say with most of the time with these futures markets, when we get to this time of year, I find just historically the value is just never in the long shots because when you multiply out the money lines, it's like, well, they're long shots because they're a lower seed and they have to go on the road multiple times. They're just going to be dogs. And if you multiply the dog money lines, you're getting bigger than the futures price. I find that most of the time, well, if there is value, it's often in the favorite because when you're multiplying the money lines, it's not, it's the same thing where it's not taking into account that, oh, they're home and they're the best team and they're going to be like, you know, minus 300 in some of these games. And so by my numbers, the team that has the most value right now is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, yeah, sure. There's not a ton of meat on the bone there. And I think as well, when you get to this point, like, I generally find that the most value is betting the Super Bowl MVP market. Because one, it's just a much softer market. It's harder for people to price. It's a lot harder for traders mm-hmm. to price out. Uh, break down the Super Bowl MVP equity between Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. And uh, Nick Bosa is always way too short uh, because he's a big name. He's a defensive player and they very rarely win. That is much easier to take advantage of than what is. I mean, honestly, these Super Bowl AFC, NFC markets, like they're relative i'm not sure that liquid is the right word it's just that there's a lot of book percentage in these markets uh and books have gotten better at just mapping out the money lines but the mvp market is generally pretty um beatable at this time and i'm looking like i haven't taken a deep dive into this market but already i'm seeing like brock purdy's five to one to win super bowl mvp um which is the market saying that you know he is what like a 50 percent chance to win mvp if the niners win the super bowl He's the quarterback. Like, when is the quarterback? That is, it is extremely rare that the quarterback is less than a 50% chance to win Super Bowl MVP for their given team, particularly when they are, uh, they were the MVP favorite three weeks ago. So that is the stuff that I look into. And we'll talk about Super Bowl MVP, that market more um, as we go along. But that was just something I wanted to throw out. Uh, Uh, First of all, I love that breakdown. I completely agree with you. And I also say that the NFC is shaped very differently than the AFC, where the Ravens are going to have to beat one of the Chiefs and Bills, probably. Probably. Yep. Very, very hard for me to see that we get to the AFC Championship and the Ravens are hosting the Dolphins again. Dolphins, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, There is a very real chance we wake up and start handicapping divisional weekend, and it is the Niners... Bucks, Rams, and Packers. <laughs> like that's not that's not crazy, right? Like it's not crazy that uh, you know that the Niners are minus three hundred to win the AFC in a week from today. Like that uh, that that's on that's in the scope. So um, yeah, it's uh, the five to one on Purdy seems like a, like a bust. 
Yeah, let's go back to the well. Thirty <laughs> MVP. It's lost once. Can it lose the second time? Uh, we shall find out. All right, we are done for today. Thanks everyone for listening or tuning in. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon.